Have we started the podcast? Is this, is this, we we're, and we're starting now. <laughs> Welcome to the second episode of the Dessert People podcast. I am Sean LaVellet. And I'm Cheyenne LaVellet. And today we are talking about a very exciting ingredient, frangipan. This is also our Christmas episode. So we are going to talk about what is frangipan, what we did with it, and then some of the other little things that we did for Christmas. Uh, we got to bake a lot of cookies for a lot of friends. So Cheyenne, can you tell us what frangipan is and why is it in Claire Saffitt's cookbook? I would love to. So frangipan actually has a really interesting history and um, there is probably a better way to pronounce this word in Italian, but I do not know it. So you get a very Americanized frangipan. <laughs> um, but frangipan comes from uh, the 16th century, I believe. And there was a man whose last name was Frangipani, and he, I know, he um, popularized a clothing item. Can you guess? Socks. No. (laughs) They are gloves that are scented with, like, almond oil, like almond extract, so that you would have scented almond gloves. Why would you want that? I don't think it smells very good. Like, we have almond extract, and it's not a perfume. But um, apparently it was all the rage. People were very into this. And so kind of like um, wanting to make themed cereal around a TV show that's really popular, uh, bakers then decided to uh, make almond-scented pastries. And then they named it after this man who popularized the glove. So now we have an almond pastry or paste, and it is Mm. called frangipan. And we don't have almond-scented gloves anymore, which is sad. <laughs> that is kind of sad. But I'm glad this guy got his name on a food item forever. We love that for him. That's good for him. So what is frangipan? Specifically, what is Claire Saffitz's recipe about frangipan? Well, it is in the very back of her book. And it is listed under the, what is exactly does she call it? It is foundation recipes. Nice. So it's a foundation recipe, and it is in... I believe at least one other recipe in her cookbook calls for frangipan. So she talks about in the book that frangipan is essentially, like like you said, Cheyenne, almond flour or ground almonds that are mixed up to be kind of a, a cream. It's got the consistency of, like, what would you say? Like, I don't know, uh, Nutella? Drier than that, though. Like... A chocolate pudding that you didn't stir all the powder into, so it's like a little gritty. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes it sound bad, but it's good. It, it's it's a very, un, like, as it's it's unlike anything I've really ever cooked or baked with, but yeah. it's a delicious. Um, the interesting thing about Claire's recipe specifically is that she talks about some recipes call for almond flour, some call for almond paste. Uh, she actually calls for starting with sliced almonds toasting them and then grinding them into a fine powder and using that as the sort of the base for your frangipan rather than almond flour she also talks about has a very she has a variation in here for chocolate hazelnut frangipan which is sounds delicious we made the plain one the regular one but i definitely want to try this hazelnut one at some point yeah and i wanted to add if you think you haven't had it before um something that i learned in 
in reading about the history of it is that it is used in king cake, which we usually oh eat. I know cake. it's coming up. We usually eat around the season of Epiphany. Um, so if you've ever had a king cake, you've probably had frangipan. You didn't even know it. You cultured thing, you. King cake is the best thing. And this house is a very... Me specifically is I'm a I'm a big king cake stand. I love a Chantilly king cake. Yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, we use frangipan in a fun way. Um, we didn't actually use it in the recipe that Claire has in her book because we already had something in mind that called for frangipan. So we made Bakewell tarts, uh, specifically many, many, many Bakewell tarts um, that are from. Kim Joy, who was, I can't remember which season, like the eighth season of Bake Off. Some season. She didn't win, but she should have. She's a ray of adorable sunshine, and she now has a YouTube channel and several cookbooks, including a Christmas cookbook where she makes mini Bakewell tarts that look like little reindeer, and they are the cutest darn things. very cute. So we wanted to make those for our friends and neighbors. So that's how we use the frangipan. Because we were going off of Kim Joy's recipe, which called for frangipan, but um, we wanted to use Claire's, so we no. wanted to make this more like involved process because we're we're like that. <laughs> and so, in doing that, the amount of frangipan in Claire's book and the amount needed for Kim Joy's recipe, we weren't sure if it was going to be enough for all of the tarts. So we went ahead and doubled Claire's recipe because we didn't want to have to make it twice. So and why we... not just make it twice one time? Well, yeah. You know? But I know what you're <laughs> Measure saying. Measure everything out again. Yeah. 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 We, was, yeah, we don't have to make it again. Yeah. We, we had a very dirty kitchen. So um, we ended up doubling it, and we very much did not need to. The recipe that Claire has in her book will get you through pretty much anything you could want to do. I can't imagine using all of the frangipan that we made. I'm pretty sure... I feel very guilty about this, but we did throw some frangipan out because there's only so much you can do with it. And eating it raw is not bad, actually, but not great either. Not not the best use of frangipan. (laughs) No. So we did not need to double the recipe. The one in dessert person will will do you. Yeah, for sure. So, Sean, what did you you think of the Bakewell tarts? Uh, I thought they were really, really good. We didn't decorate them in the way that... Kim Joy talks about in making them look like reindeers because we didn't we had a lot of other things that we were doing at the time and we didn't want to have to make two different frostings and then do all the fiddly bits but I think that that it actually vibes really well with Claire's book and in that in that you know baking is an art form and you should just feel free to do something different if you want to like minimalism <laughs> like like not decorating it is in in a very complex way yes to be fair we just wanted to eat the pretzels instead of making reindeer antlers out of them right. and then we did that so it worked out worked out great for us what did you think Cheyenne I really liked them I really liked the gloss cherries the cherries that are like they're like sugar coated and um, kind of dried mm-hmm. and you would normally have them like cut up in fruitcake or something like that. I think those are delicious. And so we put those on top and I really loved eating those, but also eating um, them by themselves, too. eating them by themselves. Yes. That's um, amazing. But I think that if I had made the cups a little deeper, I would have felt safer putting more jam inside. We should probably talk about what is in a Bakewell tart. Oh, yeah, because so I a, didn't know before I didn't I either. Saw, I'd never heard of them. I just saw Kim Joy post these little reindeer things, and I was like, those are gosh darn cute. We have to make them. Um, but, yeah, so a Bakewell tart is a pastry base that is usually in a tart pan. So so just picture, like, a crumb, uh, 
of that. And in making mini ones, we just filled muffin tins with... With the pastry. With the pastry, yeah. And made them cute. Um, and then on top of that, once those are baked, you add a layer of jam, which we did lingonberry mm-hmm. jam. Yeah. And then on top of that, you put your frangipan, and then you bake that um, to kind of set it. And then you flood the top with a r- nice, thick royal icing. Yeah. And so it has a really shiny white... Um, top that looks really nice and then you put a cherry right in the middle and they were amazing they were delicious they're very good but these ones i think could have been better with a bit more jam because if my one criticism is they're a touch on the dry side if you Mm -hmm. are friends and family who received one of these tarts you can go ahead and leave that review in the (laughs) in the comments um but i think they could have been better with a little bit more jam just to kind of liven it up a little bit because you've got the pastry going up against the You've got the pastry going up against the frangipan, both of which are pretty dry things. Yeah. And you want a little bit of, a little more of that. A little jam. Kick. Yeah. But overall, I think they were a success. So what else did we make apart from Bakewell tarts for Christmas? So I was put in charge of making this thing called tiger butter. Tiger butter is actually a recipe that Cheyenne made in a previous job, but I was given the task of making tiger butter because it was a slightly easier thing to make. <laughs> and it is actually really easy, and it is sort of like a bark, but you you take one part dark chocolate, and you melt that, and then you take a mix of peanut butter and vanilla almond bark, and you, you melt the almond bark, and you swirl that together with peanut butter. Smooth that out on a pan. And then you take the melted dark chocolate and put little drops and globs of it all on top of your, your peanut nut mix. And then the fun part is that you take a, a chopstick or something like that, and then you're going to swirl the dark chocolate all up in the peanut butter. And it makes kind of this like marbled looking thing, and it will, it will uh, harden like that. And then you can chop it up into little shards, you can cut it into pieces, and it is peanut buttery, chocolatey, really good. I think the original recipe that Cheyenne used to make was milk chocolate. but we It was, used, yeah. We used dark chocolate because... Dark chocolate is this is the best chocolate, and yeah, it it honestly came together in probably five to ten minutes, and very very delicious. Yeah, if you like a Reese's peanut butter cup, then Tiger Butter is like an elevated. Yes, look at that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it, it does look impressive, and you don't have to try very hard. You, so <laughs> yeah, and people will think you tried very hard, and you didn't. But you didn't. And then uh, the other thing we made. Which we only included, I think, like one in everyone's basket. <laughs> because they're fiddly. <laughs> because we didn't want to make any more than that. But um, we made macarons. And I think we talked in the last episode about how much we like macarons. I personally have eaten two macarons just today. <laughs> so <laughs> we are uh, macaron heads. Whole Foods macarons. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we ordered some from Chiquette earlier we in the week. We did order. So. order and, yep. Um, so I made macarons, um, which went really well because I actually ordered a macaron kit on Amazon, not sponsored, but, um, we used that. And so I had like really nice pastry bags and, um, a really nice silicone mat that has the little rings piped or like drawn on there so that you see the exact size, which is really helpful when you're piping it out to get the correct amount in each little circle so that when you're sandwiching them together it's easier to match because they're perfect pairs they're the Mm -hmm. right size they're equal amounts of batter so they bake out at the same like level yeah they're uniform they're uniform 
so that was really helpful. And I thought that these turned out really good. Um, I wanted them to be red because I was going to fill them in the middle with lingonberry jam, which is red. And I started adding uh, food coloring to them. And mm-hmm. I was worried that more of the food coloring was going to upset the very delicate balance that is the macaron mix. And so they were pink. <laughs> but, you know, pink can be a Christmas color sometimes. Yeah. So, um, we, they looked we, appetizing. They looked cute. We ran with it. Um, and so they were pink macarons with a lingonberry jam center and um, a vanilla buttercream. And we did make our own buttercream. Which was a bit of an adventure. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to be a um, very standard French recipe, creme en beurre. And it ended up being, for a moment, uh, I can't, I don't know the French Probably. for salt, but uh, creme en salt. I don't know. Yeah, there were, uh, there were a couple moments actually in the process where we... Thought we'd have to start again. Yeah. Um, we've made buttercream before, but when we've made macarons, we've made, but we didn't make like a, a like a traditional creme beurre with right. the heated sugar. But I have a candy thermometer now, so I was like, I'm gonna go all out with this. Right. Let's heat the sugar up, which we did. But in pouring it into uh, your cream mixture with your butter and everything, you're, you're pouring this hot sugar in, which if you're not careful, will give you scrambled eggs, which you do not mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to pour that in. I've got the mixer running because you have to keep it beating to keep things cooled down. But my sugar kept hitting the mixer, like the blender attachment. Yeah. And I ended up making sponge sugar on the blender. Yeah. And so it was just like the sugar was catching it and getting caught up. And we had all this like candy floss and none of it was like getting in the butter. Yeah. And so then later when Sean added the recommended amount of salt, I don't think you over added it. I just think that there wasn't enough sugar in there. For, for a minute, we thought maybe Sean like double yeah. added the salt or something because it was incredibly it was, it, it was salty. salty. But... How did we save the day? How did we save the buttercream and not have to remake it? <laughs> well, I was looking at the buttercream thinking, oh my gosh, if I have to like remake this and set out the eggs and let them come to room temperature and the butter come to room temperature, I can't stand in this kitchen much longer. Like we got it. I don't, mm, we're going to go buy a jar of buttercream and that's going to yeah, be it. Yeah. Um, and then I had a stroke of brilliance that some French chef would probably roll over in their grave for, but I grabbed the agave syrup and poured that into the mixture and just beat the devil out of it. And <laughs> it whipped right, up. It was super sweet. It was amazing. It tasted just like as if I had poured hot sugar into it without having to heat any sugar at all. So yeah. brand new creme recipe for 2021 year. I I mean, cre- was, credit me. I mean, it was incredible. I, I was, I, I actually was in charge of the buttercream after the sponge sugar, uh, process catastrophe can, can I, yeah i wouldn't necessarily say catastrophe i i was shane was doing something else so i was in charge of the buttercream and i was despondent because <laughs> i did not want to have to remake this buttercream mm-hmm. but, it, but came out. it came out great and we popped champagne afterwards because we were so excited that yeah, we had saved the buttercream it was terrific so yeah the macarons came out great i was really impressed they had the perfect little foot they rose up without a crack and i was they were smooth on top they were smooth on top yeah we had a a bit of trouble getting them off the silicone mat if you remember that yeah i think that we looked that up and it said that they were just a little bit underdone in the middle it was like not all of them but a few of them had like the the middle was a little sticky and so you could tell that like if it would have cooked maybe for just like two minutes more it would have like firmed up and and it would have lifted right off the mat lifted right off yeah but but i i mean they were they were 
great. They probably weren't underbaked. Prob- no, they weren't at all <laughs> underbaked. They were probably the best macarons we've made. And when I, and I say we, I mean I mean you, because yeah, I've never you. done them myself. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, you never know. <laughs> so the last thing that we made, the fourth cookie we made for our little cookie kits that we gave out were snickerdoodles. And I was in charge of the snickerdoodles and because they're my favorite, probably my favorite cookie in the world. And I specifically used the recipe by Rick Martinez, who is a chef and food personality who used to work for uh, Bon Appetit. He now does uh, work with Food 52, the New York Times cooking. His Instagram is completely amazing. If you, you should go follow his Instagram. He is also known as like a cookie master because he has great cookie recipes. So I sought out his snickerdoodle cookie recipe and... The thing that I just want to highlight about it was he uses a mix of brown sugar and white sugar in the cookies. And from what I can understand, the brown sugar is gives that gives the cookie kind of that gooey center, that soft center that you want in a cookie. And then the white sugar creates a crispier edge around the cookie. So it's kind of the perfect mix of like crispy cookie, but also gooey cookie. And best of both worlds. They, they, yes, they were probably the best six snickerdoodles I've ever made. I, and really the only difference I can think about is is that brown and white sugar mix. Yeah. It, it made quite a bit, too. It made quite a few cookies. So we were able to give... We made like four pans of we cookies. We made... So I think it made about 40 cookies. Yeah. Because we had 10, 10 kits we gave out and everyone got about three or four cookies. So... And also, these, I believe, were the only thing that... No, they they are, for sure, the only cookie we made in this little cookie box that were nut-free. Yeah, we realized that <laughs> towards the end that we had several folks on our list who have nut allergies and every... Macarons have almonds. French pan is, is almonds. Is, is almonds. And tiger butter is peanut butter. So we were like, oh no, we got to come up with something else. And luckily, Rick Martinez saved Christmas. So yeah, shout out to Rick Martinez. Shout out to Snickerdoodles. It was a great, <laughs> great combination. So Cheyenne, what's in your patisserie window this week? Oh what have you got gosh. your eye on? I am so glad that you did ask. So um, I feel like every year for Christmas, one of us ends up getting at least one cookbook. Um, We're and big cookbook fans. We are big cookbook fans. There's a designated shelf for the cookbooks. But um, <laughs> so this year, uh, the one that I got that I was very excited about is the Sous Chef's Indigenous Kitchen by Sean Sherman. It's one that I've kind of had my eye on for a couple of years. And um, I've already read all the way through it, so um, we'll be starting a podcast on that shortly. Shortly. Watch out for that. Watch the space. Watch the space. But it is really amazing. There's beautiful pictures in it. A lot of it is um, ingredients that are used by the Native peoples of kind of southern Canada, northern um, plain states in America. And so there's some things that, like, don't grow native in Missouri, like, Mm -hmm. would be harder for me to get. Um, so a lot of it is like aspirational, like I probably won't ever make that, but it's really cool to like learn the history, um, learn the spiritual connection to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. It's, it's basically a cookbook, but it's also like a botany anthology. It's also... It's a history book. It's a history it's book. It's, it's very historical and anti-colonialist. And yeah. It's, his whole like thing, if you, if you know Sean Sherman from his work... His whole thing is championing a indigenous diet, a non-colonial diet, um, and so it uses a lot of things that historically were used by Native peoples across North America, and 
again, the photography is gorgeous. But yeah, it, it's a really interesting tool to learn. As someone who grew up very interested in foraging, it's mm-hmm. really cool to learn about how much there is here that is interesting and cre- can, you can create a whole meal from breakfast to dinner to dessert. I think my favorite little little nugget of wisdom out of that book is that he doesn't use peppercorn in any of his recipes because pepper actually doesn't grow in North and South America. So his replacement for that is juniper berries, which have a similar kind of peppery cutting flavor. And I found that to be super interesting thing to do. Yeah. I've always thought of juniper like with like gin, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and like mm-hmm. mead. And I always think of it like botanically, but never peppery. So I was really interested to hear that. And now yeah. I really want to go out and, and find it. But unfortunately, we use juniper in a lot of landscaping things now. And that kind can be toxic. So of course, yikes! get a, get yourself a book like this to help you learn not to pick things that will kill you dead. Yeah. So my patisserie window for this episode is actually the Ratatouille musical. Oh! <laughs> created by TikTok, the t- community on TikTok. It, it's incredible. <laughs> it, this, it's not exactly re- related to baking, but it is related to food and cooking in general. And if you don't know what the Ratatouille musical is, a number of creators and artists on TikTok just started creating these songs, imagining what, what it would be like if the movie Ratatouille was a musical. And people started writing songs. People started doing choreography of the songs. There was costuming. There was there was people doing makeup. There was it was a whole, became an entire phenomenon. And recently, a group of actors and a, a group of people from the TikTok community who created this got together and actually created and filmed Ratatouille the musical. It has some some big names. So Titus Burgess plays the lead role of Remy, and he's incredible. Wayne Brady actually plays his father, Django. And let's see who else is in the cast. Adam Lambert plays Emil, the brother. And, I mean, he is... It's the voice of Adam Lambert. It's incredible. (laughs) And then one of my favorite actors, actually, Andre DeShields, plays Anton Ego, the food critic. And you might know Andre DeShields from... A, a billion things on Broadway, but most recently he played Hermes in Hades Town, and he's incredible. And so we actually watched this video recorded rendition of the Ratty Tune musical last night. I, I, this is I, a hot review. It is a uh, it is hot off the presses, and I was just blown away. So Ratty Tune musical, it's on TikTok. There are prob there will probably be another viewing or showing of this i'm thinking they'll probably release the music like a cast recording soundtrack because i just think it would be awesome if it would be that. amazing <laughs> and they did this performance as a benefit for the actor fund i don't believe this is the end of the ratatouille musical we will see more yeah. of the ratatouille musical and obviously we'll hear more about ratatouille because we are now over two in mentioning ratatouille on this podcast oh my gosh did we really mention it last time we did Anyone can cook. We're a big we're big fans of Ratatouille, the musical, and the movie, if you can't tell. Alright, so that's our episode. Um we currently don't have our next project planned for the new year, but we will be looking through dessert person and picking out what we might want to make. If you want to follow along with uh, what we're baking, we have an Instagram where I've posted uh, all of these Christmas bakes and you can follow along with how that process went. I also like to share um, a lot of the 
chefs and bakers that we follow um, their content on our stories. So if you want like a, a nice little curated for you page, um, you can go there for baking content. But it is at Dessert People Pod on Instagram. 